May faithful hearts be raised on high by this great vision's mystery, for which in joyful strains we raise the voice of prayer, the hymn of praise. Amen. Since the Academy Awards happened tonight, I have to talk just briefly about movies. In the days long before Netflix or Redbox or even Blockbuster Video, I remember going to the supermarket to rent movies on VHS tapes. We were young, we often rented Disney films, and one that I always remember though not one of the greatest, was renting Alice in Wonderland. It was one of those that was available early on VHS. And I remember putting this on at home, and my brothers would always go around the house laughing about the Mad Hatter saying, don't let's be silly, or the Queen of Hearts screaming, off with her head. But the thing that always lingered, and the thing I seem to remember the most was watching my brothers get a big kick out of the oversized caterpillar blowing smoke rings in Alice's face and asking, Who are you? Who are you? She explains that she is Alice, but the caterpillar wants to know more. Who are you? He wants to know what makes her tick. Who is she? really. We sometimes get shielded or caught up in things that are superficial. We know someone's name, or at times we know our own name, but, we're, but are we really willing to share or say anything more? Who are we, really? Dr. Seuss gets, the, gets at this when he tells us whimsically but profoundly, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who's youer than you. But who are you? Questions of identity, whether superficial or deeply grounded in the existence of our being, questions of identity follow us throughout our lives. When we do the work of discovering our identity, we actually find ourselves going very deep, going down to our core. And as we do this work, part of our identity or parts of our identity begin to be revealed to others in such a way that allows people to connect with us on deeper levels, to connect in a way that, that they can see us answering a little bit more of that very simple but very hard to answer question, who are you? Many of us run away from trying to answer this question. Some people run away for many, many years. Some of us self-medicate in all sorts of ways, and others of us isolate ourselves, or we try to escape to far-off places because we'd rather experience something different rather than being fully present with ourselves. As the old adage goes, wherever you go, there you are. Who are you is a much bigger question than we often realize. And so today we see Jesus with Peter, James, and John climbing up a high mountain. 
Now, the previous chapter that we didn't read in our lectionary, but the previous chapter in Matthew's gospel has Jesus gathering all his disciples and asking, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and calls him the Messiah, the son of the living God. Intellectually, at that moment, Peter seems to get it. But today, there's a visual The story picks up by having Jesus leave many of the disciples and take his key leaders, Peter, James, and John, up a high mountain to pray. And as they're praying, something happens. Jesus' clothes change colors. Moses and Elijah appear. And then suddenly a voice, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Naturally, the disciples are overwhelmed with fear. What are we hearing? Who is this Jesus that we have just named Messiah? What is happening? If he's really the son of God, are we now going to be destroyed being so close to him? They're terrified. Is the divine now going to destroy us? He might be the Messiah, but we certainly are not. And we can answer that with certainty. Possibly in the words of the writings from the book of Job, O Lord, I know that you can do all things. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. They're terrified. The disciples feel that the holiness of God is going to break them in two. Terror will do that. But what does the story tell us what happens? Jesus touches them and says, get up and do not be afraid. Get up and do not be afraid. The identity of Jesus as son of the most high God is revealed visually to the disciples. And God's response is not one of destruction or of condemnation, but one of restoration. Get up. You're okay. Don't be afraid. As we've discussed over the past few weeks, Jesus is calling us to a life of love to bless the world, especially to bless the world and the places where the world hurts. But we're not called to do this work alone. We're called to do this work by developing our own identity more fully in the presence of Jesus. We're on a journey, like the disciples, up some kind of mountain to be formed in a more perfect way, to see ourselves in light of Jesus and the love that he has for us. It's in these moments when we're asked, who are you? We begin taking on more qualities of the one in whom we seek refuge, in the one in whom we seek guidance, in the one in whom we seek to learn, We take on more qualities that Jesus has because we begin seeing his identity, seeing our identity in his presence and in his love. We begin seeing ourselves as one of his disciples. And so today we celebrate with baptisms. 
Today, we have parents bringing forth their children and claiming a new identity for them in Jesus. Today, we're witnessing a transfiguration moment where the newly baptized and all of us get clothed in Jesus' identity again, afresh, renewed to face the days to come. But most importantly, we're reminded that in all we do today that we're answering a call. We're answering a call to Jesus. Unlike other religious followers and other religious traditions of Jesus' time, there was nowhere stated or even hinted at the death of Jesus that his teaching was a source of strength to his followers or that they had the impression of having a valuable legacy in the word of Jesus. What they had was a claim to be part of Jesus' identity to proclaim his resurrection, to become witnesses to him, to his identity, not his teaching. Now, let me clarify this. It's not that Jesus' teachings aren't important. They're absolutely important. But they're important because they come from him. And who Jesus is, is the most important thing we can do for ourselves in life, to follow him. And what Jesus can do for us to get to know him by modeling our lives after his lives, after his life, and to pray for guidance to follow wherever he leads us. This is fundamentally different in Christianity than other religions. This is fundamentally different. For example, when the Buddha was dying, his disciples asked how they could best remember him. He told them not to bother. It was his teaching, not his person, that counted. But with Jesus, this is altogether different. Everything in his life and ministry centers around him, his person. When we enter the waters of baptism and when we celebrate this transfiguration mystery today, we see something new. We experience something new. And we commit to a journey of knowing him, loving him, believing in him, and being committed to him. The transfiguration helps us ground ourselves in the identity of Jesus and who he really is so that we can live into the truth of his call upon our lives, just like the disciples. When we can live into the truth that we are also God's beloved son, God's beloved daughter. We are members of God's beloved family because of Jesus. We are called to this renewal. We're called to this new life. We're called into this journey because God calls us beloved. But what happens when we get in the way? What happens when someone asks, who are you, and we can't respond? In fact, we don't respond because all we want to do is cry. Or all we want to do is hide. Because somehow we don't believe, or we somehow do believe, that who we are, who we are isn't worthy of God's love or the love of others. 
There was a theologian and a writer named Henry Nouwen, and he suffered a lot like this for a good deal of his life for many years. He was a master at telling stories, and he was on a constant journey his entire life to claim his identity in Jesus. Now, Henry Nouwen was a complex character. He was a brilliant academic, but yet he was someone who sought the simplicity of God. He was a jovial man with a hearty laugh, but he would write often about how depressed he was. He was a man seeking the blessing of the Catholic Church as a priest, but he struggled at living a life that was authentically his to live. He was a man committed to fully living in any way he could, but it also, at times, choosing the most humble vocations to the most vulnerable and most downtrodden of the world. Fascinating man. But at one point, Henry Nouwen was able to capture a little bit about his own quest for identity and its pitfalls. I want, this is a little long, but I want to read you this. It's just, it's just amazing. He writes this. Over the years, I have come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way that they are part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. As soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me, as soon as I am rejected, left alone, or abandoned... I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I am a nobody. My dark side says, I'm no good. I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected, abandoned. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. The sacred voice that calls us beloved. Being the beloved is our work now that the epiphany season is ending. Being the beloved is our work to support the lives of those who will be baptized today. Being the beloved is our call to find our identity in the very heart of Jesus who has called us to follow him. Love carries us onward. It'll see us through. And as the letter to Peter writes today, love makes us the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. You are the beloved. It's the truth of your existence. How do you follow Jesus today and go on a journey to discover your 
core identity, your identity as a beloved child of God, belonging to Jesus for all time. So when a stranger on the street or in your dreams, even a giant caterpillar blows smoke in your face and asks, who are you? You'll know in your core exactly how to respond. 